Well, today, I am excited because we're going to talk about, are you ready for this? Failure. Isn't that exciting? We're going to talk about failure. You know, you, you, hear, you think of the epic fails or the hashtag fail. And so just, just for fun, just to kind of get us in the swing of this, uh, this whole fail thing, I thought I'd show you a few fails. Um, this, this one here, you know, you, you, yeah, okay, that, that didn't work out so well. Um, how about this one um, right here? I actually saw, I remember this, you know, watching the opening night of the Olympics, you know, and it's going to go big and grand, and then that happens, right? Somebody probably got fired over that one. Um, how about this one here? Like, all we ask you to do, one thing, just one job, you know, spell out stop, and they, they didn't get it right. And uh, How about this one? <laughs> uh, this ferret is having a bad day. You know, he, was, he thought he'd uh, get inside of that little uh, toilet paper thing and have some fun, and look what happened. Ferret having a bad day, epic fail. And then finally, this one right here. This, as you can see, is not going to end well. Um, imagine if you were the convertible in back of that guy. Yeah, that's, that's gonna, that's, I would call that an epic fail. <laughs> so let's just talk about failure a little bit. Uh, first of all, it's not fatal uh, unless you make it fatal. Now, some people deal with failure better than other people. Um, uh, I personally, uh, I've I, you know, had enough fails in my life, believe me. Uh, but I, I still, I don't like failure. Um, I like to win. I like to win a lot. Um, and, and my wife will tell you I'm a horrible loser. But, and so for some people, when you fail, just the way you're wired, it's like, oh, you know, well, it was just a failure, and, and you don't let it get to you. And then there's other people like me where I, I have really had to struggle. So this, this is a message that really went deep inside of me as I thought about, you know, trying to get past failure, failure, failures. Um, so let me tell you about one of my, my fails. Uh, I had just gotten into um, uh, my first pastorate, and uh, I had never done a funeral before. And I got to tell you, that is just terrifying if you've never done one. And it wasn't, you know, like a memorial service, you know, they got their picture up and everything, but no, you know, full-blown casket, everything. And this, this, this woman, and she was an elderly woman, and I knew her a little bit, and, and, and so uh, I, I prepared as best that I could. I put my suit on, the whole thing, and I've got rows and rows of people. And so I still remember that the first two rows was primarily, uh, I think, her friends and all of her women friends who were, you know, silver-haired. And so um, I was, that kind of intimidated me because I thought, wow, they're, they're really expecting me to, you know, really be on top of my game here. And so the opening, just the opening of it, you know, I said a few preliminary words, and then I said, you know, we're here today to celebrate the life and to honor, and I said the wrong name. And as I said the wrong name, I watched literally, I watched the two front rows literally come out of their seats. They were like, <gasps> they're coming at me, and I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, what did they do? What did they do? What did I say? And I went, wrong name. Ah! I mean, it was just one of those moments. And so I, I did the best that I could to try to recover from that. But epic fail. I have plenty of those stories to tell. We could, we could talk about that for, for a long, long time. But it, it's not fatal unless we make it fatal. Now, we've been talking about having uh, a life that is more, it's, it's, it's better than just uh, surviving or, or, or just existing, but it goes above and beyond that. The Jesus came in the world because he wants to give us a life. It's, it's, it's a full life. And if, but if we don't learn to overcome failure, because failure is just part of life, then, then life is, is not going to be full, and it's not going to feel very good. I want to read some quotes to you. Just to, and I, Some of you may have heard these before, but I, I, they always are kind of inspiring to me. Babe Ruth, 714 home runs, and we're like, wow, that's incredible. 
but struck out 1,330 times. Um, Michael Jordan says this. He says, I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games. 26 times I've been, I've been trusted to take the game-winning shot and missed. I have failed over and over and over again in my life, and that is why I succeed. January 1st, 1962, a guitar group walked into North London recording studio called Decca Studios to audition for three executives. They were, they were rejected by the record executives at Decca Records. The Beatles went on to sell a few albums. <laughs> and even though they were told guitar groups are on their way out, and even though they were told they had no potential in show business. You know, failure, if we allow it to be, it's just a building block to the next thing. But we can't let it get us that down, that we, we're not able to bounce, bounce back from it. So we're going to talk about how to go forward uh, and really to, to trust that, that we're going to get beyond the failure and that Jesus can help us through that. And, and um, so anyway, we're going we're to look at a story today. Um, it's, this is what I would call an epic, epic failure. But it's by a guy who, who had hit the pinnacle of success. It's by a guy named King David. And uh, David wrote, by the way, he wrote a lot of these psalms. Um, probably a lot of you know this. A psalm is a song. And so he wrote these songs. Uh, and this is a real sad one. If, if we were going to talk about, like, well, how would you sing this song? What genre would it be in? Uh, it probably wouldn't be rap or, or hip-hop or classic rock. I think this would be country. Because this is really, really a sad one, okay? Um, so let me, let me give you the context of, of uh, what's going on here. A lot of you know this story. So he, this is what he writes the song about. It's based on his failure. So let's go back to David. David is a shepherd boy when he's very young. He gets anointed as the king of Israel. He won't be king for a while, but uh, in the ensuing years, you know, he has this epic battle with a guy named Goliath. You all know about David and Goliath. He becomes famous. He becomes a military leader. He leads uh, his, his, his guys out, and they just have one victory after another to the point that after a while, the women in the streets are singing songs about David. I mean, it doesn't get any bigger than that. Then he becomes king, and he becomes an amazing king. He becomes a righteous king. He becomes the standard of all kings, King David. And then, uh, and this always gets me, you get to 2 Samuel chapter 11, and, and it, it, it says, in the springtime, when kings go off to war, and it just, is, every time I've read that, it's like, what? So they had a war season, you know, like we have a football season, a baseball season, Apparently, back in biblical times, they had a war season, and it was spring. And the spring, you know, apparently the, the kings would, you know, polish off the sword and stuff and go, well, it's time for a new season of war. Uh, so this particular season, David decides that he's not going to go to war this year. He's, he's going to sit this one out. So uh, it, it, uh, this one particular night, he's at his palace. He's on, on the roof, and he's walking back and forth, you know, just kind of checking things out, a little bit bored. And he said, the Bible says he looks down on this woman... <clears throat> She's taking a bath, <clears throat> excuse me, and her name is Bathsheba. And, you know, I imagine him, you know, getting the binoculars out and going, <laughs> you know, he's, he's, he's checking her out. And so, but he's king, and, and he can do anything he wants. But this, the tragic part about this, if he was in that kind of mood, the guy has five wives already. But he's checking Bathsheba out. So as the king, who has absolute power, he says, go get her. That's what he actually says. Go get her for me. And so they, they, they bring Bathsheba over to him, 
And uh, you can sort of fill in the rest. I mean, I, I visualize it, you know, he's like, hey, he starts to wine and diner, you know, puts on the, you know, smooth jazz, you know. They, they, they have a couple of margaritas, you know. And, you know. He tells her a couple of jokes, you know. He's, she's like, you know, oh, really? And the next thing, they're in his room, then they're in his bedroom, and the, the, the ultimate hookup. And then the night is over. Well, you know, he sends her on her way the next day, and, and uh, King David is like, well, you know, that was fun. But then, weeks later, he gets a message from Bathsheba herself. She says, I'm pregnant. Now, this, this really, really is a problem for King David. And he's got to fix this problem really quick. And so what he does is he summons Uriah's husband, because she is married, to uh, Uriah. And Uriah, by the way, is as a, a friend of David. This is, makes it even worse. So Uriah, the friend of David, who have fought in, in epic battles in the past, brings him over, and he says, hey, Uriah, uh, you know what? I know you've been fighting hard. You're, you're, you're a great warrior. I want you to take some time off, and I want you to be with your wife. Obviously, he's trying to fix this as fast as he can. Well, Uriah, being just like the battle warrior that he was, said, I, I could never do that. I've got my band of brothers out there in the field, and uh, if they can't see their wife, I'm not going to see my wife either. I would never do that. And David said, oh, okay. And so a day goes by, and the next day it says that David got him drunk. He's thinking, well, if I can just get him drunk, I can get him over there, you know, we can solve the problem, but he doesn't go for it. Now he's got a real problem in his hand. What, what is he going to do? So uh, he takes Joab, who, who is uh, the guy that oversees the military for David, and he says, here's what I want you to do. When, when, when Uriah goes back out to war, uh, I want you to develop a situation where he gets killed. And sure enough, he gets killed. But not only does Uriah get killed, if you read it, several other soldiers were killed. And so David is now guilty of adultery and murder. And then the cover-up continues. You know, now he's got to tell... Have you ever noticed when you do something really stupid or maybe something real sinful, it just kind of compounds the problem and you tell a lie, then you've got to tell a lie to cover up that lie, and pretty soon you have to remember what your lies were. And, and this is what, just a full-on cover-up that's going. Uh, and, and then... Almost a year goes by. Of course, of course, immediately after Uriah is killed, he brings Bathsheba to the palace and marries her as quick as he can, hoping that nobody will notice you know, the whole time span and pregnancy and all that. Well, almost a year goes by, and a good old buddy stops by one day. His name is Nathan. And Nathan is not only David's friend, but he's also a prophet. And so, uh, as good friends will do, he sits down with David, and he says, David, I've got to tell you something that's really going to be hard for you to hear. And he confronts David with his sin. And he tells David outright how God feels about what, what David did. And let me tell you, God is not happy. And this is what this psalm is all about. After he heard this news, and uh, you can only imagine, I, I, I kind of wonder, wonder if when he was confronted with uh, what he had done by his friend David, I mean, Nathan, I wonder if he was kind of relieved. Because think about carrying that kind of guilt, that kind of shame around for all, all, all of that time. So let's, uh, let's dig in. Psalm 51. And we're going to read the uh, first 12 verses here. Have mercy on me, O God. That's probably a good place to start. <laughs> Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. And according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away all of my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. Notice the, the clean language. Why is he saying that? Because he feels dirty. Like, you know, I really, really screwed up. 
Um, For I know my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you're right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful for the time that my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in the secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have crushed rejoice. You get a sense of his shame, his remorse, his, his, his guilt when he says this. He says, hide your face from my sins and blot out all of my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore me to the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. And then move down to uh, verse 16. It says, You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. Let's just pray for a minute. Father, all of us have fails in our life. Some of them are marriage fails, business fails, reason our children fails, adultery fails. I mean, on and on the list goes. Just, it's there like you can't forget it. Sometimes we can't let it go. And, and my, my prayer, God, it, it, this morning is that some who are here today would be freed up and let go of something that is holding them back. They're failing backward, not forward. They just can't let it go, and it, it, it's got a grip on their life. It's like a heavy weight on them. So I pray that some people are going to be freed up from that today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So how do I learn to fail forward, not go backward? Well, the first thing is you've got to choose whether or not to stay in shame or in uh, grace. And it seems like an easy, easy choice, doesn't it? Like, well, obviously I'm going to choose grace, but so often sometimes we, we don't do that. Why? Because we're so ashamed. We're so guilt-ridden. We messed it up so bad. So many people were hurt. You know, I destroy, we destroyed that marriage or, or whatever it was that we did, and we just can't get in the consequences of us. What we did are still maybe coming at us. And we choose to just wallow in it and stay there because we feel like we deserve it. Like, I, I, yeah, I messed up. And so we just we stay in that place of, of, of not going forward, but actually going backwards. David says, wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, because he feels it. Like, I just, I feel like I need to be cleansed by you, God. And I don't want to carry this around with me anymore. So the question is, when I fail, and we all will, and we all do, what do I do? How do I overcome that so that I can be free from carrying that guilt? And the first thing is that we got we to take responsibility for what we did, for our, our mistake. David says, for I know my transgressions. He's not going to run away from He's not going like, to say, well, I didn't do it. Um, and you're right. God, you're right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Man, I did something that was really, really wrong. But you, gotta take, you can't blame. You can't blame shift. You can't deny. Uh, you know, and we, we're, we're very good. We can't, you can't rationalize. You just have to say, okay, I, I messed up. And that's where, really, where the beginning of, of the healing starts right there. Um, we say it this way, God can't heal what we conceal. 
And so at some point, you just got to come clean with it. And, you know, that, that's basically, isn't that the MO of mankind, right, right from the beginning? You know, you think about, of Adam and Eve, and uh, they had one rule, man. It was like, just, just one rule, you know, don't mess with that one tree, that avocado tree in the middle of the garden there. Don't touch that. And, and sure enough, you know, they, they, they do. And then so immediately, they go into hide mode, right? And so the first thing that they hide is their private parts, which is kind of interesting. It's like, we're naked. So they make fig leaves, and they're trying to conceal, you know, the private parts, and that's and, and then the next thing is they're literally trying to hide from God. It's almost a comical story if it wasn't so tragic. And they're, they're, they're out, you know, and, and God's going, where are you? And they're like hiding like a couple little kids. Trying to conceal from God what God knew. And that really is, see, the best thing that ever can happen when we mess up or sin or blow it or whatever is that God finds us. You need to be found. I need to be found. Because when God finds us, and then we're able to have that conversation with God and say, all right, it's true, I did it, and I own it, then you're in a place where you begin to move forward. You, you fail forward. Okay, I'm going to learn from it. I'm going to receive God's grace from it. I'm going to ask for his forgiveness from it. But if you conceal it, it, it'll just continue to be a problem. If you conceal it, you'll continue to carry the guilt. The shame will not go away. And the only way that you're going to get healed is you just got to get it out there. Now, having said that, some of you might be thinking, well, then, like, so it's just a me and God thing. Well, actually, maybe not. Maybe it needs to get beyond you and God for you to get real healing, depending on what it is. In the book of James, it says, confess your sins one to another. And, and, and so what that really means is you need to find a trusted friend or some godly person and say, look, I, I, I've got a situation, and I'm carrying this guilt and shame, and maybe I created a horrible mess. And you talk to them so that you can be set free from hiding whatever it is that you might try to be hiding. And then don't waste it. Uh, it says, surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Basically, basically, David is owning up to the fact that we all have a sin nature. And he's saying, basically, I gave in. I was tempted. And, and, and I gave into it. Don't ever waste a fail. Don't ever waste a hurt or a pain in your life. Uh, one of the, so I've, I've been here 21 years pastoring this church, and uh, if those of you that have been with me, with me any length of time, I, on a regular basis, expose my fails. And I talk to them, I, why, why do I do I don't want to waste them. I, don't, I mean, they were bad enough the first time. And I want to learn from them, and it's like, well, you know, I failed here, so I'm going to talk about where I failed so that you don't have to fail. And don't you ever waste your fail. You know, if, if it was a, a marriage that went really bad, okay, you know, God will forgive you, move on, and then help somebody else who's going through a difficult marriage. If, if it was a, maybe a, a bankruptcy you went through, and you say, man, we were so stupid, I can't believe we did that, well, then come alongside somebody else. Don't waste it where you're just like sort of frozen and you're like, ah, oh, and you're beating yourself up. Use it to, to, to help somebody else out. And then you should always take it to heart. And he says, my sacrifice, oh God, is a broken spirit and a broken and a contrite heart. God, you'll, you won't despise. You need to own it and then take it into our heart. But here's the thing. Don't let it kill your heart. Remember, but you, you need to guard your heart and the way that you guard your heart is you invite God there. You, 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 you say, God, come into this space that hurts so bad. Come in, into my pain, and, and I'm struggling with it. God, I, and God is good. God, is, God will bless you. He will help you. 
He will heal you. But don't, don't stay there and die. Don't let it kill your heart. David easily could have done that. David could have said, I hit the pinnacle of kings. I was as big as it gets. I was as famous as it gets. And he could have just spun out and died right there. But he chose not to. He got it into his heart, but then he did the right thing with his heart. He took it back to God. And that's, that's, what, that's what the Lord wants us to do. I love what uh, Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10. He says this. He says, godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation. Now, what's, what's godly sorrow? Godly sorrow is, look, I, I messed up, I screwed up, I sinned, I, I blew it. Uh, you know, it was, I didn't really want it to happen, but it happened, whatever. So that it, but God's involved. You're like, okay, so God, I'm going to repent. But notice what it says next. But worldly sorrow brings death. Worldly sorrow is like, you just can't get past it. You don't bring it to God. And you, you just let it mess with you, and it, it tortures you over and over, and you carry the guilt, you carry the shame. That's why he actually uses the word death there. It brings death, death to your soul and your spirit. And then we've got to refocus on the future instead of fixating on that one fail, maybe that one big fail or, 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 or maybe several of them. He says, restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. I, I said, God, I want to be happy again. I'm not happy. I'm shamed. I can't believe it's come to this. And I, I want to move forward with you. Sometimes what can happen to us is our failure can become our identity. You know what I'm talking about? Our failure becomes our Like, it, it's, it, you did something, right? It was actually, it, it was gnarly. It was bad. It, you're ashamed of it. You wish nobody knew about it. Wish you'd never done it. But you did it. And, and then, so, what we ought to do is say, okay, so, God, please forgive me. Uh, and sometimes we need to go to other people to make it right, do whatever you need to do to, to make it right. But where it really becomes damaging and really fatal is when we take it inside of ourselves and we say, I am what I did. We, 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 we define ourselves by what we did. And that's, that's lethal. That's lethal. You are not... You, you got divorced, Right? So you, are you a divorcee for the rest of your life? You, you define yourself by that? It uh, did, didn't go well with your kid, and your kid got on drugs and whatever. You are not a bad parent the rest of your life. I mean, we can just go on and on, situation after situation. You just roll, you roll yourself up and define yourself. By, no, you're not that. And God doesn't see you as, as that. So we have to guard against discouragement. He says, create in me a pure heart. I'm so glad that uh, my wife is a great encourager, and I, I need that. Um, you know, a lot of people, and I wouldn't expect you to know, really don't know the ministry world, but the ministry world is full of disappointments. Did I, did I tell you that I like to win? I hate losing, but I lose all the time, and in a hundred different ways, and I don't want to sit up here and, and moan about it, but, but I just do. It, it just comes with the territory called ministry. And, and there are times, oh, so many times through the years, I've come home, and, and my, I'm so discouraged, and I just come to my wife, and I just say, babe, I'm just, I just feel like quitting, you know? I mean, you just, like, you work so hard, and you try so hard, and things just don't, don't, don't go your way. And I'm so thankful that I have a wife who will encourage me, will say, you're okay. You're, you're, you're still handsome. And she lies to me, too, I know, but... Just, you got you to, whatever, it, you have to guard against that discouragement. Otherwise, it can take you to a really, really bad place. 
Now, here's the thing. It's okay to be disappointed, but don't become so discouraged that you, you lose heart. So let me tell you about a, a time in my life when I almost lost my heart. I almost lost my way. So when I was 19 years old, God called me into uh, full-time vocational ministry, and um, I went to college for that, and I got my first ministry position, and that was great. And then I moved on to another ministry position, and that was great. And then um, all of a sudden, I hit this two-year period. It was from about age 27 to 29. So for two years, I'm doing construction work and other kind of work, but, but here's where I began to really spin out when it was really taking me down. I, I didn't know. I had worked for an employer, and I'd put him on my resume, and uh, he was my number one guy on the resume. You know, you ever do that? You go, well, this, this guy here is going to give me a good reference, right? Well, he didn't. He actually uh, was blackballing me, and he did this for the better part of two years. Now, we, let me tell you a little something about myself. I have never in my life had a hard time getting a job. I know how to present. I can read a room. I got good social skills. I, I get jobs just like that. I can go out and get one right now. I'm good at getting jobs. But for two years, I'm walking into meetings with church leaders and people, and I'm looking around the room, and I'm reading the room, and everything is going great. I can read a room. And I, I walk away from the interview. I remember Karen and I would be driving home, and i go, man, that was a great interview. I could just tell by the way they were reacting. Three days later, I'd get a phone call. Everything changed everything. The tone of the voice changed, the way they, they kind of talked about the, how the interview went changed. And so, you know, the, the third time it happened, I was a little perplexed. By the twelfth time, I was hitting the bottom. By about the 18th or maybe the 20th time, because in a two-year span I had a lot of interviews, I was at the very bottom. And I began to think, what's wrong with me? Why will nobody hire me? I mean, am I done? Am I finished? Do I have nothing to bring to the table anymore? Why, why is this happening to me? And then one day, I was supposed to go to work. It was, I had a construction job, and I was uh, supposed to get up to go to work in the morning, and I just couldn't. I, I was so down, I couldn't even get up. And, and so basically, uh, I stayed sort of crawl up in a fetal position for the entire day, and I just, you know, I cried, and I wept, and I, I just complained, and I moaned. Probably about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, um, you know, I'd invited people to my pity party and nobody came. And it was a really horrible pity party. And I just thought, this is just going nowhere and I'm crying, I don't know what to do. And, and so I, and I did invite one person that really made it. I invited my, my, my God, my Savior. I invited Jesus into my party. And I said, God, I am hurting so bad. I'm hurting as bad as it ever hurt in my life. And I need you to help me. And I don't understand this. And I don't understand why I keep getting rejected. God, what is going on? And, you know, he didn't really answer me that day, but something happened inside of my spirit. I don't know what it was, but I got up that day, and I went to work the next day, and I kind of had this new kind of energy and resolve that, you know what, even if I never, ever work for a church again, even if I'm never involved in, in vocational ministry again, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. It was, it, it, was a, it was a good day by the end of the day. And about two weeks later, I get a phone call from one of my really good buddies that I went to college with, and he says, hey, Steve, I know that you've been looking for a church, and this is all in Northern California Bay Area. I know that you've been looking for a church, uh, and, I, and I also know who you've been using as, you know, like your top reference. I'm going, yeah. He said, don't, don't use him anymore. And I said, well, why? And then he told me what the guy had been doing. And so at that moment, you talk about, like, you know, the clouds partying, and you're like, What? What? So for two years, I'm just torturing myself, not knowing this is going on. Now, here's, here's, here's the, the beautiful part of the story. 
I had been praying for some time. I always wanted to get to Southern California. In particular, I wanted to get to San Diego. And I'm still over there. So the next opportunity is in uh, actually Fallbrook, not too far from here. And uh, this church opens up, and Karen and I go over an interview. Just like that, I got, I got the position. We were there for eight happy years. Okay. So God answered my prayer, but I had to go through a lot to get to it. I had a lot of fails in that time. So I could, I could, I could tell you about failing. The thing is, I didn't, I didn't let it crush me to the extent that I couldn't get back up. I was able, with God's help, maybe you're here today and you're saying, that's me, man. I am crushed. I am at the bottom. You need God's help. Because just like he came to me all those years ago, he'll come to you and he'll, he'll help you. And you've got to allow God to, to pick you up so you can go forward. That's what, literally, I felt like God literally picked me up. Anybody ever seen that very famous picture of uh, Jesus holding the person up in their arms and they're just collapsed? That's, I felt like that was me. I got nothing. I got nothing, God. And I felt like he just came along and just, just rescued me. That's why David says, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. In other words, give me some strength. Give me some resolve. Give me some hope so that I can move on with my life. And then finally, you've got to be quick to receive forgiveness. Okay, God, I did fail. I failed. Maybe epic fail. But God, please forgive me. Or maybe you go to talk to somebody else and it's, it's a coach or somebody that can help you through that time. David says, deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed. Man, he just calls it out. I murdered. But he also knew God's grace. He says, oh God, you are my God, my Savior. My, my, my tongue will sing of your righteousness. He had hope. He knew there would be a new day, even though he had failed horribly. Failure, I, I like sports analogies. To me, failure is kind of like the penalty that gets thrown out in the field, you know? Oh, we just watched the Super Bowl just a few weeks ago, right? And there were some penalties that were thrown out there. What would happen if, uh, you know, one of the players got the penalty on him, maybe he's holding or something, and just walked to the sidelines, I'm finished, I'm done, never again. Sit down. What? Hey, look, it, it was one bad play. It was one bad play. What do you do after a bad play? You get up, and you put that play behind you, and you get into the next play. And so, is there a bad play that went down in your life? And you feel like you've been suffering the penalty? and you haven't got back in the game, you've got, you got to get back in the game. This is kind of a reframe uh, on, on, on the life of David in a way that blows my mind. So, so catch this. We've, we've already talked about some of the things David did. Guess what? He did other stupid things too, other sinful things. Now, you come to the New Testament, and look how the author, Luke, actually he wrote the book of Acts, look at how he reframes the story of David, just in a couple of sentences. It says, after removing Saul, who was a bad king, he made David their king. And God testified concerning him, I have found David, son of Jesse. Now catch what he says about David. A man after my own heart, and he will do everything I want him to do. I read that, I'm thinking, are we talking about the same David? Like, God, do you have like, you know, rose prim glasses or something? Like, I, 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 don't, I don't see it, because I, I read a lot about David, and I kind of know about David. But God sees something different. He sees something in you different. He sees something in me that He sees our heart. He sees our intention. He sees our potential. And the last thing that God ever wants is for us to get stuck at some point in our life and say, well, I just can't move on here from here. That's why he tells the story of people like David and some of the other people in the Bible that had great falls 
But they got right back up and they said, you're a big God and you can rescue me and you can forgive me. Well, um, I'm going to ask our, our worship team to come up here right now. You may not have uh, no, noticed, maybe you noticed, maybe you didn't, but this is a, a shredder right here. And so on your seat, you're going to find an index card, a little three by five card. And so here, here's what I'd like you to consider doing today. Maybe there was some epic fail in your life. Maybe it was a moral failure. Maybe it was a business failure, a marriage failure, uh, you know, a raising your kid failure, some, some kind of a failure. In your, and, and it just bothers you. You carry it. You feel the weight of it. So what I'd like you to do, only if you want to, if you feel like this is going to be right for you, I'd like you to write on that card what that failure was. And then I'd like you to bring it up to me, and then I'm going to read it. No, I'm not going to read it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> this is why we have the shredder. So I, I just feel like sometimes you need to do things like, like this that are symbolic of something that's much greater that's going on. Wouldn't, you see, as far as God is concerned, when, the moment that you take that fail to him, he literally shreds it. It's gone. A lot of times it's not, not for us. Well, I could never forgive myself. God, well, well forgive yourself because I forgive you. I, I could never get beyond. God's going, just move forward. So maybe for some of you, I know the first, first service, we had a lot of people that filled the card out. And it was so cool to watch them come up here. And this shredder works really good, by the way. And they put it in there and they just watch it get shred. Because I feel sort of in the spiritual realm, that's going to set some of you free today. That's going to lighten your load as you walk out of here today. You go, you know what? I just want to put that behind me. Whatever the fail was, that thing that bothers me, that thing that makes me lose sleep, that thing that I'm still ashamed of, whatever that is, I'd like you just to write it down in a card. And we're going we're gonna to take a few moments and just uh, we're going to do some worship here. And as you feel led, just come on up. And by the way, when you, when you put it in, some, a couple of people came up and um, there was like a fail for a second here. <laughs> Uh, but it will work. It's just put it, it's the person behind you come up, put yours in, it, it will work, okay? All right. We're heaven spawn creations, his pride and adoration. Treasures woven by his love. His careful hands, they hold us safe within his promise of calling and of destiny. We're heaven's fun creations, his pride and adoration.
is the coolest thing. To see all of you come up, just to, I mean, just touch me deeply inside because I knew that it was so pleasing to God and so meaningful to you. And I believe that some of you are going to walk out of here lighter, feeling better. You are putting it behind you. Lord, thank you for this time that we've had together this morning. We'd have been able to, to sing and worship and express ourselves to you. But Father, above all things, we thank you that you are a God full of mercy and grace and love. And there's nothing that we can do that your grace isn't bigger than that. Yeah, we, we have fails, but your grace is bigger than our fails. May we walk out with a sense of celebration and thankfulness for what you've done for us. And if we fail, may it always be forward. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.